0: Well, welcome, everybody. Trey Hardy, how you doing? Doing You're on my left. I don't know how it looks on the screen for everybody, but Trey is on the left. And then uh, Annie is over here. We're going to have to mute Facebook. I forgot about that. I'm going to have to do that. Sorry for those people that are watching, but I have to use it. How do we do
2: that? I feel like I have to do something like that on every single like Zoom or Teams call that I'm on. It's always my computer. It's always like my phone. They're like, Trey, can you just stop talking and just, we don't really need you on the call anymore. Like, this is this is
0: awful at all. All right, I think we're good. Can everybody hear us? You know, if you can hear us over there, Jason, if you hit the volume, can you hear it? I think we're good. We'll figure it out. We'll be good. If not, we'll put it out later. So uh, we've got Annie Coons with us. Annie, you have some big news that you just had
3: happen in the last uh,
0: couple of days. Is that right?
3: I do, I just got engaged.
0: Whoa. <laughs> <Yay>. Congratulations.
4: <laughs> Thank
2: awesome. you. Awesome. Congrats.
3: Thank you so much. The big question is
0: always, when's the big day, right?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I I honestly haven't even thought about it, probably. I'm like, what off-season makes sense, I guess. (laughs) So probably my off-season 2023, um, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I'm just soaking it in right now. (laughs) That's awesome. Well,
0: congratulations. Uh, (laughs) You you. are an Olympic athlete. You are the heptathlon, uh, for those uh, listening and watching. That is seven sports. You went to Texas A&M. And uh, and, uh, like I said, you were in the Tokyo Olympics, which was awesome. And then we've got uh, Trey Hardy over here. Trey was an NCAA champion, two-time outdoor world champion in the 2008 Olympics. uh, And the 2012 London Games was a silver medalist, and he is a decathlon. So you two are like the greatest athletes uh, in the world, basically, is what that means when you get to (laughs) meet. And then we've also got two great co-hosts over here. We've got Addison Baldus. Addison, how are you? Um, I'm pretty good. She's a world-class <laughs> soccer player. She doesn't want me to say that, but I know you were too uh, as well, Annie. But, Love that. My son, Drew Gilliland. So, Drew, how you doing?
4: Good.
0: Are you? Doing good. So, we want to talk about the Olympic mindset for those uh, parents that are out there watching, maybe the kids that are watching. I'll let, the, I'll let these two kind of lead it for a while because, Addison, I know you got to go. So, why don't we start with you? and uh, maybe some of your questions for uh, for Trey and Annie.
1: Okay, um well my first question our team went through about a month one month process of a thing called what is your why. So we read a book with a lady and talked with her on a Zoom. Basically, we lost the national final and it was a little rough for our team, but we went through this lady's thing and it's what is her why so i'd like to know what your guys's why is like why do you keep going why do you do the things you're doing and on those days whenever you don't want to do it anymore and you just want to quit like why do you keep going
0: It's a great question addy any mm-hmm. why don't you start for us
3: yeah i mean i think my why obviously i think always, I don't think you should do anything that you're not passionate about and that you're not having fun with, especially with sports. I think when the the fun is lost, then you kind of have to question things. And for me, my why is it's my passion. I, I love getting out there on the track every day. And my why I think also is I want to see how far I can push my body. I want to see what I can do in this sport um, and how far I can take it. And I think my eyes really opened up with that this last year um with just the progression that I saw and it really opened my eyes to a future and track that I didn't really know was there and so it got me excited and so my why is just I want to see what I can do with the the gifts that God has given me and and see how far I can push my body and take it and potentially hopefully win a medal at the next Olympics that's kind of my goals right now um and and yeah so I don't know that's kind of where I'm at with with my why what about you Trey
2: uh you stole all of the good answers. Those were those were all of mine. Um, that was my my mentality was once you know track kind of chose me, um, mm-hmm. especially the decathlon, I think probably same for you, Annie, where it just that's where you fell. And it was just this thing that I fell into. I only wanted to do this other event. I wanted to just pole vault and it just found me. I did one and I was like, Wow, I think there's something here, and I really enjoyed this. And so my why mm-hmm. became to explore that potential. And and yeah. I I was given these gifts. I I was, I was tall. I was fast. Stuff came pretty naturally to me. And for myself, I just, I didn't, I wanted to do that service, the gifts that God gave me. I wanted to be a good steward of those talents. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's a pretty trite, you know, uh, quote, but Steve Prefontaine's quote is to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. And that, you know, whether you think it's hackneyed or whatever, every real athlete kind of feels that deep down is that mm-hmm. they know that the, the only regret that I was ever going to have would be to retire and not think I had given my best and look back yeah. on those times and not know that I'd done everything within my power to be the best version of myself that I could be to explore myself uh, physically and mentally and, and emotionally. And that, mm-hmm. was, that was really it. That why was to just uh, it's like that chariots of fire quote, like when I run, I can feel God's love. Like, it's this like thing that when I was doing my, the best work and the, the hardest work, it was just this, it's a fulfillment, like no other, and it becomes mm-hmm. addictive. So,
3: yeah.
0: mm-hmm. well, did you, did you, how long did it take you to know your why though? Because I, you know, again, 14 or both 14 years old here. I mean, I think you probably didn't have your why at 14. Did you?
2: Absolutely not. I think my, no. why, my why at 14 was fun.
0: Is yeah. this fun?
3: Yeah. Absolutely. I think I'd agree with the same thing. I loved hanging out with my friends. I loved playing sports. Um, and it led me into these opportunities that I didn't know were there would be there. And, um, you kind of just follow that. And and then it turns into this passion that you develop over years, I think.
0: Drew, what about you? What questions you have?
3: Um,
4: One of my questions is, um, both of you, like growing up, loving sports and being athletic, um, When did, when was the time that, you know, you wanted to be like, become an Olympian?
3: Oh, gosh. Um, Well, I'll start. I, I think it's, it had always been like a, you know, growing up, I was talented. I was athletic. I, things came easy. Kind of like Trey said, Trey said, and I was fast. I was strong. um, So things kind of came easy and I was the best from where I came from. And so it was kind of this far fetched dream. I remember I got interviewed in in high school and they asked me, you know, what do you want to be an Olympian in, like track or soccer? And I was like, both. And like, you say these things, but I think for me, it really became real. Um, like during COVID, I think I really realized that my dream was to become an Olympian and I was going to do whatever it took to get there. Um, so it, it, It didn't really feel real for a while. I think it was a far-fetched dream for me, but, um, up until I was, let's see, 20, I was 26 or 27, um, is when I really took it seriously to, to kind of pursue that dream, I guess.
0: Trey, what about
2: you? Yeah, that was, yeah, you know, I'd been in the sport a little while as well. Uh, not as late as, as Annie, but it was, I had only been doing the decathlon for a couple of years and I was a sophomore in college and I went to the Olympic trials and, didn't really know much about it had only done a couple of decathlons and I went out and competed with the reigning world champion I went out and beat in a race like the eventual Olympic champion uh, the guy that won in 2008 and I I just saw all these guys and was like wow this is like had no idea there was a future in it had no idea that I had that within me to like want to be an Olympian but it was that just that first time stepping on the track in that professional setting that was maybe a little bit of that competitive nature in myself, mm-hmm. knowing like, I think I can compete with these guys and, and they're, they're mortal, you know, cause at that, yeah. at that stage, they are up here. It's, they're the best of the best. I am not even on the same screen. You know, like I, I would, I would do this to show the depth of how far away I was, but I'm like <laughs> way down here. You can't see. So it made it very real and tangible for me. And then I knew I could compete and I just needed time because they were I was twenty years old. They were twenty-eight years old. I just needed Mm -hmm. time, and so it gave me that glimmer of like, okay, if I stick with this, there's something here. I want to do this, and that became the commitment from that day forward. Yeah, yeah. I would.
0: Go ahead. No, go ahead, Annie.
3: I was just gonna say, I would think. I, I think the Olympic trials for me, not listening to Trey, kind of looking back, was 2016 for me, and same thing. I was a soccer player that you know that was my focus for so many years, and the trials. I didn't expect to qualify for the Olympic trials and you're there and you're just kind of enamored by the athletes you're competing with. And it really opens your eyes to, to dreams that you, you know, you might not thought could be there opportunities that you want. And, um, so competing with the best of the best, I think really motivated me to kind of pursue it further as well.
0: Probably people you knew and looked up to, right?
3: Oh, forever. Yeah. Uh, you're, yeah, you're running and, and competing against girls that you've been looking up to and, watching what they're the marks have been and watching them compete all over the world. And, and all of a sudden you're in the lane next to them. And it really opens your eyes to to what could be your future.
1: Addie? um, So I'm going to be 15 in April and <laughs> I know you guys are not 15, but what advice would you give to your past 15 year old self? If you could say something to them.
3: Oh, I, I think I would, uh, look back until my 15 year old self to, um, that hard work pays off. (laughs) I think when I was your age, things kind of came easy to me. And I I was a little bit like that lazy, but talented athlete. Um, and I wish I would have worked harder a little bit and, and, and stayed after practice or got there early and worked on my touch in soccer. And, (laughs) um, I think up until I got into college is when I really realized like, okay, I got to start working hard and talent can only get you so far. Um, so hard work really can, can get you anywhere you want if you work hard enough. So I would tell myself that, and just to take accountability, I think it's really easy when you're young as well, just to kind of point the finger at like your teammates or your coaches or your circumstances, um, and not look in the mirror and say, okay, what could I be doing to get better And, and change my circumstances? So I think taking accountability and then working hard, um, can get you really, really far. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Trey, yeah, same I, answer.
2: I was, yeah, pretty much same answer. I was, I was a little, you know, for lack of a better word, kind of a little, a little butthole, like <laughs> tal- talented, talented kid that that stuff came easy for, and it wasn't. I, I wasn't like hard headed. I did what my coaches asked, but mm-hmm. I, that's all I did. Whatever you have, if you wanted me to to jog a lap to warm up, I was not jogging one step more than a lap, and I might even walk a little <laughs> bit in the middle of that lap. And so my 15-year-old self would just need to hear just everyone's on the same team and everyone wants you to be the best version of yourself. Just listen to the people that have been put in your life to guide you through this thing and trust them that everyone's trying to make you the best version. It's not, you know, punitive. No one's trying to punish you or make it worse. It's just all part of this, this process to make you a better uh, football player, basketball player, athlete, whatever it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm sure there were plenty of days that you didn't want to hear that from your coach, right? I, I, <laughs>
2: it took it took another coach. So story of an interesting story. I was that kid, you know, not listening and farting around, not really not training. All I did was I pole vaulted every day. I grabbed a pole and I vaulted. No drills, no running, no conditioning, no, no pull-ups, nothing, just pole vaulted. A, kid, a coach from another rival high school found me after a track meet my senior year, one of the first ones like in January indoors and just said, hey, Trey, you've, you've got something. Just do what your coach says, no matter what it is. Warm-up laps, cool-down laps, all this stuff. You've really got something. You could, be, you could have something here. Just listen. His, 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 this coach's name was Coach uh, Eccles, and he, my coach was coach, Gil, uh, sorry, coach Huber. And he was just saying, listen to, listen to Hubes. Do what he's saying, and you're going to be all right. And it was just, it had to come from someone else. It couldn't have come from my mm-hmm. coach. You know, but it kind of set me on this, like, okay, you know, I was almost 18, you know, so I wish I'd said that to my 15 year old self, but it took till I was mm-hmm. 18 for someone to sit me, shoot me straight and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I should probably pay attention.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a, I'm a lot older than both of you, but was it like, when I was a kid, we just played some sports, and then you'd go on to the next sport and then the next sport. Was it like that for you too as well? I mean, I know Annie, you played two sports at yeah. a very high level. but <laughs> were you from sport to sport to sport, or did you kind of concentrate on one or two things?
3: Oh, yeah. I was in volleyball in the fall. I did cross country one year, um and then I would go and transition into, um so I was doing club soccer while I was doing high school volleyball, and then I would go into the spring and do high school track and soccer. um and then the summer was more track stuff. but um, I was constantly bouncing around and, and I kind of, you know, I think kids are pressured now more to pick one really early. Um, and I'm grateful that I didn't do that because I think it made me a more well-rounded athlete. And I got, you know, I have strengths in other areas that I might not gotten. And if I was just doing one sport, I didn't get burnt out like all the other kids. Um, so I really bounced around and, and I loved that. I, I, I loved participating in as many sports as I could. And I think it made me a really good a, a much better athlete.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's true what you said about the um, not just focusing on one sport because in the fall, I don't know whatever the last season was. um, I had the basketball tryouts and I didn't know if I wanted to go or not. And I actually missed the first day, but I had my mom, my dad, uh, coaches, lots of people telling me to play. And one of my mom's biggest things was not to just focus on soccer at 14 years old and to yeah, pursue good. different things. So I think, and I mean, I love the season I finished two weeks ago and I mean, I met great players that helped me conditioning with soccer, but I mean, mm-hmm. just to have the other environment rather than just soccer was, it was a big thing. So I like that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's healthy. And I think if you start so young at 14, you're going to get really burnt out by the time you get to college. And then it's going to have really be a lot harder to find that motivation to keep pursuing it further.
0: Yeah. Cause you were soccer first and then kind of like, Oh, I'll do this track thing. And, and Trey, I don't yeah. know about you, but it kind of makes me mad to hear her say, Oh, COVID decided I'm just, I'm going to go be an Olympic athlete. <laughs> I'm like, come on. I mean, that's not fair. you
3: know. I think that's just when I really like just re- realized like, okay, Annie, you keep saying you want this dream, but like, are you doing everything in your power to achieve it? Like, like yeah. it just kind of made me realize like I'm sitting here. I have no coach for the first time in my life. And I was like, okay, I really do want this. Like, let's start, let's, let's start catching up to the other girls. Let's jump ahead of them and take this time and get better. And, um, so that I think it just felt more real. Like I was doing the things I needed to be doing to become an Olympian at that time. It's crazy. Drew,
2: yeah, what like you got? More more of the like professionalization of what you were doing.
3: Right. Like, exactly. like holding
2: yourself accountable into it. Yeah. yeah.
0: But that's Absolutely. what you had to do during COVID, right? Was hold yourself accountable because you had no coach. So it's either, I mean, nobody was holding you accountable to show up at whatever, 7 a.m. to the track oh, or wherever. No,
3: there was no one. I mean, I was out in parks by myself. I was on Finding Hills. I was, you know, I ruined this park with my shot put because, you know, no, no one was holding me accountable. My coach really wasn't texting me every day. I was more kind of pursuing like, hey, can we write a plan? Like, let's, it was it was all on me. And I had to be accountable for the first time and and not have a coach in my corner, you know, pushing me. Um, But I think you kind of need those moments to realize that you do want this and this and this and no no coach is going to give you the secret key like no coach is going to tell you the secret to your success and give you all the answers it really has to come from you and I think I figured that out through COVID.
2: And if a coach ever says that they're not for you. Do not yeah. <laughs> run as far away from that coach as you can. If they ever if say, they say I what? I know,
0: what exactly are you saying there, Trey? What do you mean? I know
2: how to get you to the Olympics and I only I know how to help you do this, or I know what we can fix to do this. That's mm-hmm. not that's not it. Yeah.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah. It's that's very
0: True. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so I feel like sometimes when we're playing sports or something, we look at like other kids and we just kind of doubt ourselves because Looking at them play, I feel like they're just like so much better than you, and you really you mm. feel like you really can't do anything about that. But when did you realize that you could become that person that was better than everybody, and that you were good enough to become like to go to the Olympics?
3: Good
0: question. I'll, I'll take this one. First. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna
2: say I I never was. You're, you 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 never you never want to try to be that person. You just want to be the best version of yourself that you can be. Yeah. The, the kind of where we sit. Just in general, it's hard being a teenager. Um, You're always, you're you're trying to establish yourself, learn who you are and establish your identity all the while looking and being surrounded by people that seem to have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. No one has it figured out, Drew. (laughs) I'm 38. I got five kids. I've got an awesome life, an awesome family. I don't have it figured out yet.
3: Yeah. Five no kids
2: one, or three kids? Three, sorry, three kids.
0: <laughs> Family of five. I'm trying to sorry. save you here, Trey. See
2: what I'm talking about? Nobody hasn't figured out, dude. Yeah. Nobody does. And everyone is just trying to like-
3: to do their best.
2: Do their best and feel like they're doing better than someone else. And it, it's mm-hmm. all for not. Just be the best version of yourself that you can be, that you can be happy with at the end of the day.
3: Yeah.
2: That's it. And that that's people are going to look to that and be like, and that kid's got something I don't have. What's going on with true, you know, mm-hmm. like that's an attractor. You're going to be a lighthouse for everyone around you. If you can, if you can figure that out. Yeah.
0: But to your point yeah. on that too, Trey. I think, sorry, Annie, I'll let you. Go speak ahead. No. I had a thought on that when you said the lighthouse, you know, it's one of the things too, is don't dim your light for somebody else either. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to do something, continue to do what you think you can do without dimming your light. So maybe think of that when you said lighthouse. So mm.
3: Yeah, I think for me too. I think it all goes back to just focusing on what's in your control. I think in college for me, because it, it, you know I was the best from where I came from. When you get to college, everyone's the best from where they come from. So you start getting in this comparison game, and you know wishing you had you know the touch of the, your this other forward, or wishing I had the fitness that this other girl. And you start getting so lost in things that are out of your control. I can't control the, what they're doing. Um, and for me, what I think really set me apart, especially the year of the Olympics, is really just figuring out how to just focus on what's in my control. And if I execute to the best of my ability, good things will happen. Um, and that's all you can control is, is just doing your best and being the best version of yourself. And I, for me, I kind of had this piece of mind where I'm like, if I'm doing that, I'm okay if someone else beat me that day, because I did my best and I focused on what I could control and I executed what I could execute. And if it's not me that day, it's not me that day, but I'm going to do the best that I can. And I think when you kind of let go of that anxiety and control of what everyone else is doing and and that focus, it really can allow you to just hone in on your own skills and do the best that you can there. And, um, and then things just kind of fall into place.
0: What did you do? Uh, what would you do when you found out like it wasn't going to work, or you fell down, or the event didn't go as planned? I mean, these kids, you know, again, they're running from sport to sport, and us as parents too. So maybe look at it from that lens. What your parents did well for all those that will watch this. I mean, what what do we need to do as better parents and for the kids if they do fall down or if they're feeling bummed out? What can we be doing better?
2: I I I think what what's missing from a lot of this is that the kids aren't at the table when the parents and everybody are deciding their future. What you see mm-hmm. is this, like my, my son or daughter is going to be the best at X and they're not really having those conversations with the son or daughter about, is that what you really want? Is this really something that you want to take to this distance? Cause it, right. if it is, we're behind you, we'll support you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what ends up happening is you get people in their 15, 16, 17 years old. And there isn't that communication anymore where the kid's just like, I, I am not into this you know, like it, it happened with me with football. Like my parents thought I loved it. I hated it. I was like, I was five eight, one hundred thirty 130 pounds when I was, when I was, I was almost 16 and I was bitty, bitty. and I was just a tackling dummy, but I loved playing flag football and like backyard football because no one could tackle me. Uh, but you put on pads and it was just a different game. And there wasn't that communication. And I, out of the, they thought it was out of the blue, but I was like, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm not playing. Mm-hmm. And it was this big, Argument and all this stuff, but because we weren't having those conversations, they thought there was a future here, and I was not about that, not about Mm -hmm. that life. So as parents, especially stuff that my wife and I, who was a professional athlete and a a world championship medalist in the pole vault, we get it. Like we understand um, the way in which we want to help them find their passion and find their the things that they're passionate about, and it's by having those conversations up front about hey we want to support whatever it is you want to do to the fullest and we're going to hold you accountable for this like we're not going to let you get out of it if this is Mm -hmm. something that you're committed to we're going to finish it out and go to a certain point with it but i think that's all that's really missing is that upfront. like what journey do you want to go on and we'll help you go there instead of this like my kid's going to be the best lacrosse player in connecticut or you know whatever it is Mm -hmm.
4: right 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 do you think that that's where most of like the problems happen is that parents are like forcing their children to do something they don't, they don't really want to do, but they could like go pro or the Olympics with something else. But there's a,
2: yeah. I mean, there's a fine line between finishing what you start and, and honoring a commitment and being mm-hmm. genuinely unhappy or feeling like you're in like harm's way. Yeah. You know, for myself in football, I was in harm's way, <laughs> I was genuinely unhappy, right. but, I but they made me, she finished the season. You know, I, I mean, that was like four games in. It was a lot. It was a long eight games to finish that year. <laughs>
0: but, I but you did it. Yeah. And I think
2: you probably learned a lot from that. I, yeah, I got quick feet. Yeah. I was, I was <laughs> squirmy.
1: Um, so this one's directed a little towards Annie. Sorry. Right? But no, you're fine. Um, so I know you played soccer all the way through college and yeah. I'm doing track on the side, but mm-hmm. how do you just not go with soccer anymore after you've been playing it that long. Like I don't have, like I have basketball, but I don't feel like that's something I could go pro in. So I just Mm -hmm. can't think to myself of dropping soccer whenever I get to college. Like, did you love what you do right now so much that you could handle dropping it?
3: Yeah. I mean, for me, I think I loved both of them so much that I, when I was looking at schools, I was only talking to the people that were going to allow me to do both. I was super stubborn in that. And, you know, kind of what Trey was saying, my parents never pigeonholed me into one thing. They kept me part of the conversation. I made every decision on my own. They asked me what I wanted. And that was my goal. I was to do both in, in college And then to kind of switch into track and field, I just lost that passion for soccer. It had been my focus my entire life. Um, I made so many amazing relationships and learned so much through it. Um, But I found myself kind of like Trey was talking about with football, where I just wasn't as happy. I wasn't excited to get out to the soccer practice anymore by like my senior year. And I was kind of just ready for that transition into track and field. Um, and then when I did, I, I, I was just obsessed with the sport. It was some, I fell in love with the track all over again and realized I had this really strong passion for it. Um, so I think it's just really trusting your gut and, and, um, knowing that, you know, whatever you're just trusting your gut and, and knowing, you know, staying, making sure you're having fun and whatever you're doing, and you're still passionate about it. I think when you lose that, you kind of have to start re reanalyzing things and, and, um, and figure out if it's for you anymore or not.
0: Would you agree too? I mean, that that's a great question, Addison, but th- there's probably times Annie that you weren't in love with soccer. So she may be yeah. in love with soccer today at 14, yeah. but maybe at 16 and 18 and 20, she's not, but that doesn't mean you just give up. Right.
3: Right. No, no. And I think, you know, that's adversity that you're going to come across adversity all the time. I mean, I could sit here and talk to you right now. I've, after the Olympics, I kind of went through a little, you know, a lot of people talk about like the Olympic hangover. And I definitely went through that where I was sitting here like, gosh, you know, do I still want to keep going? Like I thought I did, but maybe I don't. So you're going to have these like ebbs and flows with your sport. Um, But I think if it becomes this like really long stretch of time where you're just simply unhappy with what you're doing, that's when you reanalyze it. Um, But things like adversity and things like that, you're going to go through times where you're, you're not as happy, but I think you push through when you think about what your goals are. I think that's what really helps me is knowing sitting down and having really specific goals um, and then re you know, if I'm not, if I'm in one of those low points with my sport, I sit there and I say, is this still my goal? Does I, do I still want this? My passion of this. And if I am, it's like, all right, let's get through this. Let's take it one day at a time, get through this adversity. And, and then we'll, we'll just keep going towards that goal that I have. But, um, I don't know if that answered your question or not, but.
0: <laughs> in any other questions you have? Cause I know you got to probably go to basketball here shortly. Um,
1: I think that's all for me.
0: Perfect. What would you say is the car (laughs) ride was like with you guys? I mean, with your parents, I I, I read an article, I don't know if this doesn't matter. Some magazine that talked about the car ride can ruin a lot of sports for people. Can you Mm -hmm. kind of bring us back to those days?
3: My dad and I listened to a lot of the Beatles, the Eagles, Michael McDonald. He (laughs) kept it light. We always, I just remember, I have all those songs like memorized because of the amount of times we listened to them. Um, My parents never you know, I think we would have like a, you know, a five minute debrief of games. And then I would kind of be like, all right, guys, I love you. I, thanks for your advice. <laughs> such thanks, a nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had like a time limit. I'm like, okay, give me your, your <laughs> opinions for this five minutes and then I'll take it in and I love you and see you later. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. That's funny.
3: <laughs>
2: mine, mine was more like Neil Diamond and Bob Seeger. It was that, those were our discs, there our, you tape, go. our tapes that we wore out. I'm a little different generation. You know, there were no <laughs> smartphones. You're just staring out the window at cows. That was yes. it. There was yeah. no internet on, in the car, you know? You uh, but my, my parents were just on manners. Like it, I, I'll never, every time before I was getting out of the car to go to a practice or a game, it was all right. Say yes, ma'am. And no ma'am, please. And thank you. Have a good time. Mm-hmm. I'll See you after the game. There mm-hmm. was no, no strategy, Nothing. Be, be polite, respectful, have a good time. See you later. Oh, yeah, you won. oh, oh you're good at this. Okay. Great.
0: Good job. <laughs> oh, good job. I'll, yeah. I'll go do it again tomorrow.
2: Yeah. Even when I said I was going to be an Olympian, I'm going to be a professional pole vaulter. My mom just said, okay, just, okay. Just make good grades.
3: Yeah. yeah. And
0: be nice to the refs. That's what we always tell and our be nice, kids. Yeah, Don't yell at mom. the refs.
3: My parents always would tell me to like shake the ref's hands after games and things like that. My mom also would bribe me sometimes with goals. She'd be like, if you score three goals, I'll give you 20 bucks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we'll start doing that. Maybe Drew just picked up volleyball. We'll have to figure that out. Um, Can you, can you walk us through and for those listening and you guys got to rock. So we're going to, we're going to take Addison off the, uh, thank
1: you. And it was wonderful meeting both of you guys
4: nice, yeah, to, nice meet to meet you good Addison. luck thanks,
2: oh, for yeah. the, cool. thanks for all the thanks hey, real
0: quick uh so addison's team they were second in the nation last year they got second oh runner-up in the uh, national championship for what was it U 13 U 14
3: 14 yeah fourteen. oh my god that's you know, incredible out in, oh, out in yeah. california
0: so that's, amazing. I that's hope for some amazing. more stuff thank you
3: yeah keep it rolling that's amazing yeah. some of those, those are like some of the best memories you'll have even oh, even yeah. looking back at that like times when I was your age
1: with my girlfriends.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Everyone crying after the game. That was, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Well, congrats. And will you guys bring home
0: a winner for a Fallon uh, girls sectional sectional? Yeah. Good luck. All right. Well, it's just you and I drew, we got a few more questions here for you if that's all right. So can you walk us down memory lane on what it was like when you knew you were making the Olympics and, uh, and what that night was opening ceremonies, you're walking around with all these athletes.
2: Oh, Annie, go first. There's a little, little fresher.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. Gosh, for me, you know, the Olympic trials. At going in, I didn't have a full heptathlon, so I really just had to decide to trust myself and trust my training and know I was ready. Um. And I surpassed every expectation that I had for myself. So it was really just a surreal moment. Um. And then so after. Going so after javelin, I I pretty much knew Erica Kendall and I had made the team because of how far ahead our points were from the other girls, and I just as long as I didn't fall or you know run three minute eight hundred, I would make the team. Um, So going into that, I I realized oh my god I could win it though like so that was really exciting. Um, And when I crossed the finish line, and we were like waiting in anticipation, I saw the number six seven, and I was at the top of the leaderboard and. It was just a surreal moment because it's, you know, you go through so many ups and downs training for the Olympics. It's such a long journey for us. It was a five-year journey that we had been on and um, all the tears, all the hardships, all the self-doubt, it just, it all was worth it. And it all was just, it was more than I could have ever dreamt of. My whole family was in the stands there to support me. Um, And there, I mean, there's nothing like it, grabbing that flag and, and getting to do your victory lap, knowing all your hard work paid off. Um, and I, I, didn't get to go to the opening ceremony. So Trey can probably give you a little bit more <laughs> with that, the Olympic experience. I had a little bit of a different Olympic experience with, with Tokyo, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a surreal, incredible moment that you'll never forget.
2: Yeah. Same, same feelings, um, had, had just going into that, that 08 trials was my very first, uh, a real, real shot to make the team and went in, hadn't done a full, I'd I'd been seriously injured all year. I think I'd scored way below the Olympic standard, just barely, I mean, got in on, you know, score wise and Mm -hmm. had a good meet, scored really well. And you're sitting there on the podium and the two gentlemen, like at the last Olympic trials, the one that won, the one that won the silver medal in Athens, the the world champion from 2003, I was right there and I I beat one of them. I got second. I'm sitting there and it's just like, (laughs) it's like, Oh, crap, it worked. Like yeah. like what Annie's saying, like all the stuff that you don't really know why you're doing it. You do, mm-hmm. but you're like, I hope this works. Like, yeah. I hope this is the right thing. I hope these yeah. are all the things I'm supposed to be doing because no one has this blueprint of how Annie Kunz is supposed to make the team or how Trey's is supposed to make this team. And so you, you're you sitting there and my, I knew I was going to be on the team relatively early on in the, in the competition. But until you cross the line, you see your name, you see a
3: score, mm-hmm. you're like, it's oh real. Oh, it, it,
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, this worked.
3: Yeah. Oh
2: my gosh, this worked. And you're just like, oh, and you get this rush of all the people that helped you get to that that spot. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like all the therapy. Like I'm texting people that gave me a massage in January. Like we did. Yeah. It, you know. Like I can't believe <laughs> yeah.
3: it. It takes um, a village. <laughs>
2: exactly. And then the enormity. You get there. It was my first time out of the country. Was Beijing. I land. Uh, we unpack in the village, and I'm a basically just had my st- uh, my kit with me you put it on you walk down and it was just it was the walk itself not a great experience it was like seven hours on your feet it was just miserable but i'm like yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness there's uh, kobe bryant oh yeah. wow whoa 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 that's lebron like and you're just <laughs> they're the biggest names and the enormity of it and like the current the president at the time george uh w bush walked in started <laughs> started saying how's it going guys And then his dad walked in right behind him, H.W. Bush. And you're like, this is a big deal. Like, I thought it was, I thought this was cool. Now, this is a really big deal. And it became, it it started started to get in my head a little bit about like, okay, this is way too big a deal for you, Trey. You're just this little kid from Alabama. You have no (laughs) business being here. But that was that opening ceremonies thing. There's a ton of pride and honor and you're walking out into a stadium that's just, the center of the actual universe and life as we know it, there might be life on other planets, but for all intents and purposes, everyone on earth was watching the Beijing opening ceremonies. And there I am just like,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, okay. This is really, this is a big deal. Um, yeah. So that was it. That was just a really,
0: It's got to be so emotional, too. I mean, you've been eating, you know, perfectly fine for eight years, four years, whatever it's been, right? I mean, your diet to sacrifice and maybe some not as late nights as your friends wanted to go out. You know, there's so many sacrifices. That's what I love about the Olympics is just the Mm -hmm. the magnitude of the sacrifices these people that you athletes make is incredible.
3: Yeah oh yeah yeah. it's a lot (laughs) i mean
0: annie you're doing it now right to get ready for the next one i mean you got what three years no no gosh yeah yeah no we
2: got annie's got the world championships on u.s soil this summer (laughs) this gotta um, get ready for that
3: yeah that's what we're getting ready for right now and then obviously paris in like i guess two and a half almost three years so um yeah it's and and i think that's you know kind of been the struggle of getting back into it again i don't know if you can relate to that trail a year after the olympics but it's everything emotionally, physically, mentally, you put everything you possibly can into making that Olympic team. Um, and then you have this pinnacle moment where, you know, you're wearing the USA uniform that you've dreamt about. You're next to the Olympic, you know, the reigning Olympic champion. Um, you're competing against girls that you've looked up to for your whole life, basically. Um, so it's just this pinnacle moment in your career. So now I'm kind of getting in that where, I have to get back into that and set my goals again and, and really get you know disciplined and diligent about my goals and the sacrifices that it's going to take. Um, and so, yeah, I'm kind of getting in back into that mode and um, dealing with a couple injuries right now, but getting ready for outdoor worlds this July, which will be in Eugene, which is super, super exciting to be able to host that and have it in us soil, um, at, at Hayward field and Hayward magic where the Olympic trials were, so I'm super excited about that. That's cool. Drew, what
4: do you got? One last question for me. Um, so when you were like sports and you feel like there are people that doubted you, do you feel like now that you're an Olympian that they're kind of like more confident in you and try to like become friends with you now?
0: That <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not friends. cool because they're in the Olympics now, huh? <laughs> maybe, maybe
2: not friends, but there's a very, very no, passive, very, very passive, indirect "I told you so" all over the world, right? <laughs> you know. Like everybody that ever thought, you know, I wasn't going to be anything. It's a terrible motivator. You know, it's external motivation, trying to do something to prove something to someone else. Right. You know, I, a lot of mine came from within my own self of just being that, that best version of myself. But there's, you know, the high school version of me when I was just pole vaulting was really just to stick it to the high school basketball coach.
0: Yeah. It's true. That
2: was it. Like I was just, the guy told me to go be a pole vaulter and I was like, all right, here comes a big middle finger. Cause I'm going to be the best pole vaulter anyone's ever seen, you know, mm-hmm. and that only gets you so far. It really only lasts for like a month or so. Um, so mm-hmm. the, the things that I'm dealing with now in this like post Olympic, Olympic life, let's like post-track career was that you, you, I did a really good job. I felt like not tying my identity into mm-hmm. an outcome or into like Trey, the Olympian. That yeah. is who I was. And it is still to this day who I am. I was, I was made a couple of Olympic teams and it's something to be really proud of now. But I spent just a, a, way too much time trying to run away from that identity and run away from the fact that I had gotten to do those really neat things and been blessed enough to participate in those things mm-hmm. and, and have a better relationship right now between who I am as a, as a real human being and a father and a husband and a friend and Trey the Olympian where mm-hmm. when I was doing the Olympic stuff, we were all the same person. Now I can kind of separate the two. And yeah, it's kind of, this is, it's hard to describe because I'm still kind of actively going through it, but um, the people that were my friends before I did anything cool are still my friends to this day.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I've, I've tried to really ground myself in that too. And, and I think because I was, you know, not sponsored for so many years, you know, up until this, the, after the Olympics, I got sponsored. And so for those years, you know, no one's paying you, no one's, you're not doing it for anyone but yourself. And I, I'm almost, I'm just super grateful for that because my road wasn't super easy. And I think along that road, I learned that it has to come from me. It has to come from within. I can't do this for anyone else, but myself, I can't do it for my parents or whoever else. And, um, I think learning that and then kind of never tying my full identity to my sport, um, has also kind of, I think it allows you to kind of just let go and have fun with it and not have all this pressure on you. Um, and for me, it's it's kind of giving me that balance too, where you know, I have my friends, I have my my boyfriend, my dogs, I have my hobbies, I have things outside fiancé. of traffic. That-
0: yeah. So you've got to change your lingo, man. I know, man. On,
3: I know I've done that like three <laughs> times today. Uh, my fiance <laughs> now. Um geez, there's my phone. But um, yeah, I think you just, you don't, I think touching on what Trey said is just, um, your sport isn't your identity. And I think figuring that out is really important.
0: Yeah. I love it. Well, we could talk for hours upon hours and I know you guys are busy people and, uh, but just really thankful for your time and lots of great wisdom today to Addison Baldus who was with us and for Drew Gilliland here, just awesome stuff. But, you know, for me as a dad, it's pretty cool to see your son take notes, you know, on stuff that you yeah. have. I'm like, I'm sitting here wishing I could take pictures of this and just kind of model this up because it's pretty awesome time. He, he unfortunately had to miss one. We, my other three boys got to do one with bunch young, the kid that was on the super bowl and drew couldn't make it that night. So this uh, was Drew's way to get back here. He's, he's here and his brothers are at home right now. So you can, uh, you can laugh yeah, at them yeah. later, drew, but well, so, but seriously for, to Annie and Trey, I mean, thank you so much for joining us. You guys are busy people and and your own stuff going on. You didn't have to do this. And it's just, it's just cool we came up with the idea to say hey let's help some kids let's help some parents and both of you are like let's do it like in a millisecond let's do it so very (laughs) thankful for that
3: well thank you for setting this up it's even just fun for me to get to listen to trey and kind of some of his experiences um trey's name has been a big name in track and field for a long time so this is super fun for me And any way we can help out kids and i wish i would have learned a lot of the things i know now at their age so thank you for setting this up and giving us that opportunity
0: can you plug anywhere to find more of you if people want to uh to follow your road to success and the uh, gold medal?
3: Yeah, I am on Instagram mainly, just Annie underscore koontz seven. Um, and then Twitter, just Annie underscore Koontz. Those are, those are my two awesome. things I'm usually on, yeah.
0: <laughs> and Trey, what are you doing these days? You want to plug your business real quick and then uh, where we find more of you?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm mainly on uh, on Instagram and, and some Twitter, but it's at Trey Hardy. Really, really simple stuff. <laughs> Very and, good. In the, yeah. And in like four or five months, we'll circle back on the business, but things are going really, Perfect. really well. Awesome! Yeah, basically, bringing the the peak performance of decathlon and Olympic success in the decathlon
0: into
3: wellness. It's awesome! Yeah. It is
0: awesome. We'll have a whole another show on that sometime. But thank you both again for being with us. Uh, very, very thank you for your time. So, thanks a lot. Thank you. It was a pleasure.
3: Thank you so much.